In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg. St. Joseph City Commissioners have rejected a proposal to allow parking of RVs and other recreational vehicles in residential driveways. At their Monday meeting, commissioners considered a resolution that would clean up and clarify some zoning language pertaining to parking. The issue was first brought to the Planning Commission's attention last summer by then-resident and now-current City Commissioner Michael Fernandez. He requested that the rules be changed to allow RVs to be parked in front yard driveways. The Planning Commission came back with language this week that still wouldn't allow such parking. Mayor Brooke Thomas said Monday while she would have no problem personally with parking an RV in a driveway, she said she'll side with the unanimous vote of the Planning Commission. They do a lot of training and they put a lot of thought and effort into these types of things. So I have a hard time going against what the Planning Commission is recommending, especially an 8-0 vote. Other commissioners agreed with Thomas. Fernandez told us at least he tried. I felt that it was a opportunity to send a message that families, whatever it is you want to do here, come to St. Joe. I think it's it's important to building our future that we bring more families in, and I thought that what I was proposing was in line with that goal. During the meeting, Fernandez said allowing RV parking in driveways wouldn't hurt anyone. Plus, he noted the current rule against it is only enforced when there's a complaint. Commissioners instead approved the planning commissioner's recommended zoning amendment without the proposal from Fernandez. The vote was 4-1, to one, with Fernandez voting no. A proposal to build a fitness center and apartment housing at 1189 Lydia Drive in St. Joseph Township has been put on hold by the St. Joseph Township Planning Commission. At the regular Tuesday meeting, planners heard from Karan Singh, the owner of Power Strike Fitness on Hilltop Road, he told us he'd like a new location for his business while adding to the area's housing availability. So we're proposing two townhouse buildings, four units each, and then the gym location on the second parcel. The gym would also have two apartments on the second floor. Singh said he wants to offer housing options to people moving into the area to work for entities like Whirlpool, Lico, and the hospital. There is a shortage of housing in our area. It always has been. You can call around an apartment around here. There's a wait list. And we're trying to help that out to anyone that's moving into our area, bringing more business in to the St. Joe community as well. Under the proposed plan, Singh would keep the current Power Strike Fitness location and turn it into a recovery center, which he said is like a spa. However, residents at Tuesday's meeting had issues with the plan. They were concerned primarily about traffic. Many complained it's already too dangerous to turn to and from Lydia Drive to Niles Road. The development would rely on Lydia Drive for access. The Planning Commission tabled the developer's request for a special use permit and asked them to come back with a more refined plan that would also address parking. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services is expanding its Michigan Chemical Exposure Monitoring Project into Benton Harbor and Benton Township. The MyChem project aims to gather data on the amount of certain chemicals in the blood and urine of Michiganders, including lead, mercury, and PFOS. Department environmental epidemiologist Rachel Long tells us they select areas across the state for testing based on statistical models. They want to get a statewide picture of what chemicals people have been exposed to. We know that Michigan has a legacy of industrial activity. We know there are sites of contamination across the state. This project is simply trying to get a representative sample across the state so we can understand Michigan as a whole, understand whether there are certain groups that are more exposed than others, whether there are any trends over time that we can see in chemical exposure. Benton Harbor and Benton Township residents can expect to receive information in the mail in the next month asking if they'd like to participate in the program. 
Those who do will be asked to fill out some forms and go to an appointment to give blood and urine samples for testing. They'll get their results as the state tests for 197 different chemicals. Plus, participants will receive a $65 Visa gift card. Long says the MyCam program will continue through the summer. There's a major renovation project planned at the Public Safety Building in Hager Township. The Township Board of Trustees on Monday approved $581,000 for the project to make way for ambulance personnel. Township Supervisor Izzy DiMaggio tells us a new agreement with four other municipalities now includes Hager Township, and part of the agreement was that an ambulance crew would always be stationed in the township to improve response times. DiMaggio says a goal was to avoid spending any general fund dollars on the work. The township found some partners to help with the expense. Our Riverside DDA, Downtown Development Authority, has graciously approved spending up to $450,000 towards the project. The Northern Berrien Fire Board has voted to contribute $100,000. Hager Township will use about $100,000 in federal ARPA funds for the project. DiMaggio says the renovations will include the addition of new office space, storage, and a training and meeting room. Work is expected to be finished in the fall. The economy in West Michigan might be slowing, but it's not all bad news. That's according to new research from Brian Long, Director of Supply Management Research at Grand Valley State University's College of Business. Long attributes the decline to softening conditions among automotive parts suppliers and office furniture firms. This is because there's a glut of excess office space in some major markets, and higher interest rates have resulted in some new office projects being scrapped or even worse, thrown into bankruptcy. Long says confidence remains high among consumers and industries at the local and national levels. He says the possibilities of a recession this year appear to be fading. It took the support of the entire community to help the Van Buren County Historical Society repair its museum in Hartford. Society President Sandra Merchant tells us the museum was damaged in a storm in June of 2022, with much of the roof ripped off. Since then, the roof has been replaced and additional work has been done inside the building. Merchant says most of the archives initially damaged were preserved. Remarkably, we did not lose a lot of things. They dried out the paper by freezing it and then returned it to us in boxes. And we're in the process of resorting and reclassifying. Merchant says the Historical Society leases the building from Van Buren County, which has it insured. However, support from the community also has been helping. The Historical Society could use a little more help as it prepares to move back into the museum. We're planning on reopening in June. We have a lot of cleaning to do. Everything that was boxed up has to be put back, and the work on the rooms that were damaged is fantastic. They look better than they did, but everything has to be moved back into them. Merchant says they'll need those with expertise in fabric preservation and woodworking, as well as people who can just move items and help dust and arrange. Everyone is invited to a meeting at the Van Buren County ISD Center at Lawrence at 7 p.m. on March 5th to learn more. Starting this week in Michigan, if a person is found to be at risk of harm to themselves or others, law enforcement can use an extreme protection order to temporarily take away their firearms. That's under what's known as the state's new red flag law. April Zelli, policy co-director for the Institute for Firearm Injury Prevention at the University of Michigan, calls red flag laws life-saving. They are to be used in times of crisis, when someone is suicidal or when someone is 
actively at risk of harming someone else. The law allows police, family, and intimate partners to petition the court to temporarily disarm a person at risk for as long as the order is in effect. Zelly said the new laws won't affect gun owners who are not in danger of harming themselves or others. Several counties in Michigan have passed resolutions saying they are Second Amendment sanctuaries. In less than two weeks, Michiganders will head to the polls for the presidential primary. In the latest report, more than 600,000 voters have already submitted an absentee ballot that accounts for a 67% increase when compared to the 2020 election. Early in-person voting begins this Saturday and runs through Sunday, February 25th. Election day is February 27th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. More help could be on the way for veterans impacted by Agent Orange. The Department of Veteran Affairs proposed disability benefits for eligible veterans, granting presumptive benefit status to veterans who developed certain cancers, heart conditions, or other illnesses after being stationed in locations where the U.S. military tested, stored, or used Agent Orange between the years 1940 and 1970. The rule is not expected to take effect for several months. To protect vulnerable senior citizens, State Senator Jim Runstad wants you to have the ability to keep an eye on your loved one while they're in a nursing home. In 2019, a bill passed which would allow residents to install cameras in their own nursing home room. That way, bad actors, such as caregivers, could be caught in the act of taking advantage of seniors. Despite the bill being passed with unanimous approval in the state Senate, Governor Whitmer did not sign it. Now, State Senator Runstad has reintroduced the bill, saying it will still be a powerful deterrent if abuse is suspected. And the Michigan man who is credited with creating the Pop-Tart has died. William Bill Post, a child of Dutch immigrants who was raised in Grand Rapids, began washing trucks at the Heckman Biscuit Company, later to be known as the Keebler Company, and he started at the age of 16. Later became the plant manager when Kellogg's approached, looking for a treat that could go into a toaster. Within four months, the Pop-Tart was created. Bill Post was 96 years old. In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg.